Hello friends, how's it going? My name is Matt Bart and you listen to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast, the show where I try and cover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Big thanks for tuning into this episode, I hope you enjoy it. If you're a new listener, welcome and I hope you uh, enjoy this episode. You can find the whole back catalogue, the show notes, although I am a little behind on show notes, I must confess, and all the rest of it over at my website www.wearelookingsideways.com. All right, so natural selection leg two from Baldface in BC is looming, goes live next week, Wednesday the 16th of March, I believe, at the time of recording. So I'm picking up the omnibus that I recorded in Jackson with this episode with Hana Beeman. Now, Hana is a legit US snowboarding legend, proper shred royalty, I think you're going to agree, who's had a long old career and in the best professional American snowboarding fashion, a career that's been full of evolution. Started out in the contest scene, came up early as part of the Grenade crew, later made the switch to backcountry under the tutelage of Travis Rice and Friends, um, and is now fully established in that arena as one of the OGs. Um, She's worked on projects such as Listen to the Eyes and has now been chosen to ride in natural selection with the rest of the field. Um, and as well as a professional veteran, Hannah is also Hannah even, I do apologize, is also something of a podcast veteran, having appeared on the Bomol, the Efren Rad podcast, and all the rest of it. It always poses something of a question for me. Do you go over old ground? Do you go chronological? Or in my usual fashion, do you just press play and see what happens? Listeners, if you've been with me for a while, I think you can guess which one I did here. Yes, it was the latter. It was funny being at Natural Selection with the pick of the world's hippest snowboarding professionals wandering around the bar. Um, You know, a pool from which I was free to grab people for the pod. Um, In the end, as usual, I tried to go for some of the more interesting stories and some of the more intriguing individuals, which is why I grabbed Hana for a chat and why I enjoyed our chinwag very much indeed. Hope you do too. I'll be back at the end, but here's me and Hana. Enjoy. I'm going to start anyway. So it's creative. Um, how are you? I am great. Yeah, you survived. I did. <laughs> I survived, and I actually feel really good. I think we've had some. Uh, we've been really lucky to have some good therapists on hand to take care of us after some crashes and slams and overshoots and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. IV therapy, did you say? Yeah. So what is that? As in literally they put you on an IV and... and yeah. We we had an IV therapist come in this year in addition to all the medicine wheel wellness girls that okay. have come in last year too to work on us. Right. And they pretty much do an IV drip but they put in like vitamin C vitamin B like all these like good things to like rehydrate you and kind of boost your system right because it can be pretty taxing out there especially up here where it's so dry and cold yeah coming from UK sea level definitely notice that yeah I need to find the IV woman I think think she's around it's pretty lovely I would highly recommend it it's a little expensive but it's worth it especially if you're hungover yeah it's like you know, when you're like, I would pay anything not to feel this way. Yeah. <laughs> 170 bucks. Yeah. And you can feel great. Yeah. I think um, I remembered what I gave up drinking for six months last year, yesterday morning, um, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Can we talk about the comp then? So how was it? Because obviously 
I mean, I was on, I was announcing it. I announced the women's uh, first heat day. Yeah. And it was brutal, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Like just the, and the, the conditions, like to ride that course with those conditions, like, yeah, that was the word of the day, it felt like. Yeah. I think the word was buck. It was sporty. Sporty. Buck wild. Yeah. Yeah. That That is not uh, like anything we would normally ride in. So it's really hard because... You know, for backcountry, you're so reliant on the quality of snow and like that determines a lot of the things you look for and end up hitting. And so to come into an event like this and be like, okay, that's basically what we're riding. Yeah. And the conditions are what they are. You know, it's not like a groomed run. Yeah. It's just what it is. And so, and not knowing exactly how, how it's going to be to ride. It was a relief seeing the first couple guys go and be like, okay, like, you know, it's fast. There's some... There's some soft snow and stuff like that, and then you just got to make the best of it. I think that's just the biggest difference with contests. Yeah. It's like you just got to do the best you can on that day. So. Uh, and was was there a lot of um, intel sharing up top with everybody? Because it felt like the mood among the riders was definitely like, right, we're all in, you know, we're all kind of in this together. Like we've just got to help each other, like negotiate this, mm-hmm. this day and this course, really. Yeah. I mean, I know we're all competing against each other, but at the end of the day, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. So as much as we can help each other figure out like what would be a good line and like, you know, what would be safe or a better strategy versus another, especially with just like when you get back up to the top of the course, you can be like, oh, okay, like that landing was not too bad or this one was messed up or I mean... I think we're all friends and we care about each other. So yeah, it's like, course. and the better we all do, the better the contest looks and the better it is for future. So I think we all have that understanding that we're all in it together and we all want it to look as best it is, as it can. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing I've really noticed a lot about coming to work at this event as somebody who's obviously not like a, a huge part of the US scene and seeing like not just among the riders like amongst everybody involved really like the camaraderie and the togetherness to try and make this um a show for snowboarding really like especially the riders meeting the other night which was really interesting like seeing how yeah everybody kind of negotiated the, the the issues that were on on the table and kind of pulled together to try and you know that it was definitely like yeah we've all got different agendas booklet but we all want to make this work really because we're aware of the importance of it and what's trying to be achieved. Right. Yeah. And it's still in such the formative stages, uh, for this contest. It's like, you know, technically it's what the fifth year of Travis's natural selection, like in in some iteration of it in total, but it's like, this is only the second year of this, this version. So it's like, we still have a lot of input and we still really care about, how it comes out and so it's really set up well for the future generations that will hopefully come in and compete and and be able to to run with it you know so we just want to make sure that that it's something we truly support and can get behind going forward and it's really nice that they are receptive to that you know we can't get it right the first time obviously it's hard to do that but every year it's going to get a little better and it's especially with all the challenges that have come up last year and this year it's like considering how much stuff has kind of put wrenches in in the system it's it's turning out really well yeah i think everybody's really mindful of that and you know it's it's not just another contest it's 
it's more than that to a lot of us so we just care yeah so you do see it like that because obviously that's kind of the 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 kind of cliche if you like about the event not the cliche but like the line you know like but for you guys that is real like you you do because obviously somebody of your experience who's like you know competed slope for years and basically like had this long career now where you've got the perspective on the different takes on competitive snowboarding let's say you know because and for for media and for for the organizers obviously you can talk about like the vision but as a rider do you do you buy into that yeah i mean i do i think you know i enjoyed contests and it's just a different game and you got to realize that and be okay with it um but i kind of got over the i got over the just I don't know what it was with the contest, but it just didn't feel rewarding to me. And so I think coming into this event, there's a lot of people that have done contests and I think there's something with this that is bigger and it's more rewarding and it is a contest, but there's a way to keep it more creative and fun and not have it fall into this really cookie cutter contest thing. Like even just having the head to head brackets is such a different dynamic and I think that really is fun for us and keeps it fresh and like you just never know right it's like it keeps it exciting yeah there's that element of like I don't know who's gonna face off so that's fun and I think with those guys listening to kind of our input we can keep it something that's a little more true to maybe snowboarding soul instead of kind of going down the like super structured cookie cutter yeah fists like you know well, we've got two avenues yeah. right now haven't we that, are, that have always been diverging but now are really you know we've just had this event and then we've got the olympics in two weeks where mm. as years pass it just become they just become two v- even more separate ideas of what snowboarding should be don't they really yeah and, and that seems to be what gives this an increased importance almost with every year really yeah and i think having having the opportunity to do like multiple stops and it's all different terrain and i think that's going to be big because it's not you know the same three rails to three jumps it's like there's something different every time and even when the snow conditions change it's like you really have to be so adaptive and you have to figure it out and it's you know it it changes. It's a very moving target. So I think that's a good challenge for us. And it's just different. It's like, even though I'm still not a huge fan of contests, <laughs> just, just generally <laughs> in general, I'm like, I just feel like I've moved past that part of my life. And so it's funny to come back into this yeah. and be like, you know, I still have that filming mind frame, Sure, but I have to, I have to, try to change the way my brain operates for a contest yeah and i definitely am not there yet like i noticed that last year and then at this event uh not necessarily at this event like i feel like i was just having fun last year here at this event it was just like a cool energy and new thing and something to be stoked to be a part of yeah but then when i got to go to alaska i was like oh shit yeah this is like a contest and it's like i've never been to alaska in that in that way sure like it's always filming yeah which presumably is is a very different mindset yeah for that so, environment 
yeah, getting up there, I was just like, oh, you know, normally we pick out something that we like and what we want to film and we get to scope it out and like check this thing and figure out the angles and try it a couple times. And instead it was like, oh no, that's what you're writing. Ready, figure out a line, go. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh man, like yeah. it's just different. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, it's the same here with these conditions. It's like, you know what you're writing. And it's like, I know what I would ride if I was filming. Like I know what I would want to shoot. But yep. then like trying to figure out a, you know, a strategy and like riding a line the way that it's going to get you through and, and get you to that, that final, it's just different. And it's a different, different way of looking and going about it. And I feel like I haven't quite gotten my head back in the game. Well, it's interesting that because you, you did leave competition behind and I'm, it'd be interesting to talk about that in a little bit because yeah. I'm assuming that was quite an intentional thing from what you've said. Yeah. So how does it feel when you get the invite to this then? Do you, is it is it a bit of a almost like bittersweet thing then as in like mm-hmm. okay this is an amazing thing i should be doing but th- as you've just described like this isn't really where i'm at with my snowboarding right now i wouldn't say it's bittersweet i think it's just a different challenge yeah and it's just i'm so excited to do the event because i know it's going to push me in in ways i haven't been pushed in a while it's just man different kind of pressure and i think it's coming in and knowing that we're capable of doing the things but it's like okay can you put it together on that contest run like that's a whole nother like weight on the shoulders yeah it's like a mental game where you're like okay am i gonna do it this run like you don't have that like three four five whatever chances you are if you're filming yeah to nail it perfect it's like you kind of you got to do it the first run and you got to do it five times in a row so it's like it's just the added pressure yeah but that's fascinating isn't it because someone with your experience to still at this stage in your career be having i mean that's obviously a really good thing isn't it the fact mm-hmm. that you the fact that you're having to be pushed in this direction in yeah. a way which will obviously benefit the rest of your snowboarding ultimately but yeah do you enjoy that then do you enjoy because obviously as a theme as we said you know you competitive career and then moved into like more of a filming and a backcountry role those like conscious things like with you getting to dictate the direction of your snowboarding career yeah. but obviously this is this is a slightly different insofar as as we've talked about it's like an opportunity that's come along and you and you're grasping that yeah which i think is a real theme of this thing as well for everyone involved mm-hmm. um do you enjoy that side of it like the kind of like, like out of the comfort zone sort of okay well i need to embrace this to get the most out of it do you enjoy that challenge yeah i enjoy that and i think it's a i think it's a really uh good reminder for me Cause like, you know, I can get a little, uh, complacent in, in my snowboarding and filming, like go out, hit a jump, woo, got a shot. But now I'm like, okay, I have to think about this event and that is going to influence what I do when I'm out filming. I'm going to be like, well, maybe we should try and hit a double line or like even a triple line. Like the things that we have to apply to this event are going to directly influence how I snowboard in the backcountry because yep. that's how I'm training really. So I think it's going to elevate my riding in the backcountry. It's like a kick in the butt to be like, oh, you got to step it up, you know? Like I got to level up so I can hit multiple things and do different tricks. Yeah. And just stay really, really flexible and fluid. And I think it's a big like eye-opener for me. Like if I want to continue to do this, I need to, I need to like start, start training and riding different ways when I'm out filming. Cause I still want to film. Yeah. 
So I think it's just going to level up a bunch of things. Yeah, which well, so the, the way you're describing it, which is really interesting, is is a general driver of progression, isn't it? You yeah. Know? And I think I think that's what's that's why I'm so intrigued about the, how this event develops really over the years because, like I said, I kind of talked about this with Tom Tebow the other day as well. Like, I think for me having worked with Travis and Liam on this for a couple of years now, like I'm only kind of just beginning to understand like the ambition of what they're trying to do. Um, and I'm really fascinated to see what it does for, for women snowboarding over as over the years, because obviously it's going to, it's going to drive the progression, isn't it? And I think you can really, see, you know, if you look at Marion, for example, yeah. like and how she's come back yeah, and like how she rode this, I mean, she rode brilliantly last year, you but could, she's obviously gone away and really thought about this, right. And yeah. come back and, did you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, you could tell Marion put in the work. Like I was seeing just like things on her Instagram or whatever, like leading up to this. And I'm like, she's like, it is on her mind. She is training for this. Yeah. And I think it really showed. Like, I think her writing, like, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know her writing that much, but I'm like, I feel like her writing improved in that year. I thought you could really see it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a huge driver. And I think for like the younger girls we see out there competing, it's like they already have these crazy tricks. Yeah. But like the park, like X Games Olympics were like the ultimate. And now there's this next ultimate. Yeah. Where they can they can do those tricks, but it's different. They gotta kinda kinda start over in the backcountry and like do like easier tricks, simpler tricks, and then they'll add, they'll like progress up to that. So I think it's just a new opportunity for them. And I think we're gonna see a lot of and younger girls being like i mean i'm into that yeah that's where i want to go yeah and so aiming for this and i hope that this just creates a whole new guard of girls that are like oh that's something to strive for yeah so i can go out and like do that i think it well i think that's the that's what's going to happen isn't it yeah because next year is going to be fascinating non-olympic year like yeah. seeing who's around and 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 how everyone approaches it and again now that we've had this year, because I think I think last year, because it, the conditions were so good, I think there was an assumption from everybody that it would be like that every year, wasn't there really, you know? Yeah. And then obviously <laughs> this year, it was like, oh, okay, actually, it's still going to run. Yeah. It's not always going to be like that. So that's uh, another like layer of kind of interpretation for everybody, isn't it? To kind of mm. to kind of get their heads around. Yeah, because I mean, we're so spoiled. It's like when we're filming or doing whatever, it's like, oh, it's not good. We're going to not do anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, shit, maybe on those less than ideal days, maybe we should like hit something just to, you know, keep our keep our guard up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just contests, right? It's like just who's the best on that day. Yeah. So it's fun and it's 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 inspiring to see everybody show up and really put down and try like everyone was trying yeah. really hard and you could tell they didn't just like you know kind of slack off and be like man i don't really want to do that it's like we all were still sending yeah and the, le <laughs> the, the level of <laughs> that shows you how much we care about it yeah well the level of adaptation yeah. that everyone was showing through the two days was just very impressive especially like something's deceptively simple like speed you know like with yeah. the with the amount of change variable nature of those conditions like just seeing how everybody was adapting to that yeah such a simple thing but the kind of thing that often gets quite overlooked in snowboarding and really mm -hmm. tells you the skill level of everybody involved and yeah and how you know impressive it is really
Yeah. There's just a lot of elements. There's a lot of things, a lot of things going on out there. So it's like trying to put it all together. Do you guys talk about the judging? Because obviously that's been quite a, quite a sort of talking point. I'm going to politely put about it. The what? The judging. Oh, yeah. You know, I think we're all kind of trying to understand it. And it's not an easy job for those guys by any means. And it's like, how many times do you get to, have they even had to judge something like this? Yeah. So I think it's still getting, getting dialed in, but you know, there's a couple things that it's like with the tiebreakers or with like, okay, do you score a run that is uh, more risky versus one that was landed? Like that whole thing. I think it's, you know, it's human judgment and there's going to be errors or, slight skews of like how it should be it's not perfect but i think the more input the riders give to the judges and the more they're receptive to it and we can all kind of figure it out yeah collectively um i think it's just gonna get better yeah i think yeah. you're right i think they're learning as well aren't they well i think everyone involved is learning aren't they with how, yeah. to, how to pull something like this off really yeah it's a big learning <laughs> learning event yeah so well, one of the things that seems like everyone's really enjoyed amongst the riders though is the is the chance to 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 ride with different people i mean yeah. cause like you say you know you, you you're you're based where you're based you've got your people that you film with all the time yeah and you've been hanging out with marion and riding all week i mean that looks like that's been one of the most enjoyable parts like the fact that everyone's here and everyone's riding together like away yeah. from the comp and learning more about each other yeah it's really bringing a lot of different people from a lot of different parts of snowboarding together yeah and that's like even last year like that was some of the coolest coolest times was just on the off days getting to mob around the mountain with this crew of people that you have only seen on tv yeah same on, as everyone yeah, else same yeah. as everyone i'm like oh my god like even just hanging out with like kevin backstrom and like, like yeah. some of these guys i'm all oh wow okay like yeah. like still zeb wasn't a part of the contest but zeb's here and it's like sitting next to him at shaky graves last night i was like i'm sitting next to zeb <laughs> well yeah because everyone's everyone's a fan aren't they ultimately yeah. everyone's a geek on this stuff and yeah. it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it or totally and, and that, the like snowboard crew of the competitors is one thing but then like the the people that it attracts into the the like ro like what do you say like the, the rotation of it like yeah the atmosphere around it is something as well like there's just so many rad people that come out to support and you're just like, wow, this is cool. And I would never get to ride with this person normally. Yeah. I think so it really, really comes good. across like, cause it, you know, we, we've keep saying like, wow, this is actually a community, you know, yeah. that, that it's a nice reminder, especially after like a couple of years for us not traveling, not being able to get out of the UK. It's like a, yeah. a very nice reminder that it is actually a real thing, you yeah. know, that everyone's part of. Yeah. But I'm interested in that point that you made about how, this has changed potentially the way you're going to um, move on with your career and the way that you approach your snowboarding mm -hmm. because you, the, you've reinvented yourself a lot over the years, it feels like, you know, uh, in terms of the way that you approach it. Yeah. Um, what, was that in the past, was that like a conscious thing or was it based upon just like what you were into at the time? Like you mentioned, like leaving contests behind kind of thing. <laughs> and, and uh, decide to focus more on backcountry. Yeah, I think it's, I think it really comes from, you know, wanting to, wanting to have a little more control over what I do. 
contest, it's like you're you're told what to do right on what day and what is good. And I think with filming and writing more backcountry, it's just a little more up for interpretation. And then kind of coming full circle back to this, it's it's cool to have a challenge within within that. Like I get to be like, okay, I'm I've been taking all these things that I've learned over the years and seeing if I can apply them in a way that makes sense and looks great and it's kind of the ultimate culmination of the skills that I've built over the last 10, 15 years. And it's humbling, like going up there and, and riding that course and putting a run together. It makes you feel like a beginner again. And it's really humbling to be like, oh man, I thought I could do a back three in my freaking sleep, but it's like, I could not put it down the other day. So I'm like, okay, like back to the drawing board. How am I going to make myself a better rider and more versatile and being able to do it in any conditions. Like I feel, I feel spoiled. <laughs> I feel spoiled and I feel like a beginner again. It's just like, okay, I can be better. You know, is it's, that, is that comfortable for you? That feeling? I, it's not comfortable for a moment, but then it's like you settle into it and you, you're like, okay, you know, it's just one thing, but it's, it's those uncomfortable moments that make you want to try harder and make you want to learn. Like, I feel like I have a fire under my ass Yeah. from just the other day, even though it's like horrible conditions and everybody's like, you guys rode so great. I'm all, oh no, I can be better than that. You know, like I, I want more from myself. Yeah. So even if I don't do well in the event, like place well, like it's still going to serve me to make me a better snowboarder. Yeah. So I think that that's cool. I think, it's, yeah, it's really interesting because yeah. as you said, you, I can't remember what phrase you used, but you said something like, yeah, I can get quite lazy or comfortable or like, you know, with yeah. the way that I approach things. So I guess that's why I'm interested in, because no one likes to be reminded that they're not as good as they, it's almost like you, your self-image, isn't it? Yeah. And for you, obviously, as somebody that's been doing this for a long time, I imagine yourself, if I'm not, being too presumptuous here like your self-image is quite tied to your idea of yourself as a professional snowboarder right yeah i mean and, it's hard to disconnect them yeah so you know when we're out in the backcountry and we're like getting shots and we're like yeah i fucking did that and i did this and i feel good about myself and then it's like you come to something like this and you get smacked down pretty quick you're like oh man okay <laughs> it's like an ego check exactly and i feel like that has been one of the moments or multiple moments over my career where i'm like it's when I get that is when I push myself more. It's like when I'm doing really good, you know, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I'm, I'm doing good. I'm getting this. I'm confident. Yeah. You kind of let your guard down. And then it's these moments where somebody's like, what the fuck are you doing? Or you get last or it just really, it hits something. I think in a lot of us to be like, I can do better than that. Right. I can be better. I expect more out of myself and I want to come back and have a better showing to like show people that I'm not shitty. <laughs> I'm not a bad snowboarder. It's like, yeah, you just got to re re up your confidence because it takes a hit at these events sometimes. Has, has that been that ability to, to use these things as fuel as you kind of describing it? Is, have you always had that? <sighs> I mean, maybe. I, I feel like you know, it's, it's not been easy. 
like on any of the accomplishments I've had, it hasn't necessarily been easy. So it's like, I think the more I have to fight for it, just the more effort I put in and the better result I get out. So yeah, it's almost like I need people or I need that within me to be like, you suck, like get better. <laughs> like, is that right. the driving force? Yeah. It might be. So. Yeah. So con- when, so when you, you talked about contests and you talked about like how you, gr- you outgrew them almost in a way, cause you said, you know, you didn't like being the, the, the kind of environment that, that, that you had to be part of to take part in that world. Yeah. Um, when you were younger, was that the route in though? Did you, did you see that as your route to becoming a professional snowboarder? No, I think I saw the films and I saw all that part and that's what attracted me to snowboarding. I mean, the contest scene did too, you know, it's like glitzy, like, Ooh, rock star kind of like, it was all intertwined back then a little more. And I think I really liked the lifestyle that the, the movies portrayed. Yeah. But the lifestyle was also at, a lot of the contests and so like getting into contests was a way to like get your get your name out there and get seen and all that stuff and and it was a little more blended back then and it was more expected that you would do contests yeah and so you just start doing them (laughs) (laughs) and eventually it's like i did okay in them but i remember even back as far as like after my first x games we came, uh, Travis and I came up to Jackson hole and I got to go out in the backcountry with him. And I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> like I'm from big bear. It's like the mountains aren't that big. Yeah. I'm a park rat. And so to like get to go to Aspen, get to go to Breckenridge, get to like come up here and go snowmobiling and see all that stuff. Like that was like my peek into like what that world was. Right. And I feel like I was into that as soon as I saw it, like just being out in the mountains yeah. and, and doing that. And it just took some years until I could afford a snowmobile or could like get out on a sled and have the skills to go out and do that stuff. Well, yeah, I imagine it's similar to what you're describing with the way you're responding to this experience. So like, it's almost like a glimpse of a whole new world you need to negotiate and understand. And, yeah. and I imagine that, was probably quite daunting right and initially yeah. to to be like oh okay you know to go from like you say park rat big bear mm. to suddenly like well if i want that i've got a lot of work to do it yeah. so how was that it was awesome i mean what i think i had won like world champs big air or slip style a couple things and so it's like i felt like i was you know the big dog <laughs> <laughs> and then to come out into the mountains and like see that whole part of it and be clueless and like be throwing myself off of a powder jump with Travis, just like flailing and bailing so hard and being like, Oh, like I suck. <laughs> like I suck at this. Yeah. And that was so cool. It's like, you wanted to get better. And so I think it's, it's just a constant pursuit of like, what am I capable of? And I love having fun. And the backcountry seems, seemed to me like a real fun place. You know, it's different. It's different than the contest scene where it's like all these people, all this energy, like everyone's, you know, it's just a high, high energy thing where the backcountry, you can kind of slow it down a little bit, but it, and it's a smaller group, but like those smaller groups are so amazing. Like some of the best days are like just out with your crew of five or six people just having a good time. And that was really cool to me. 
and it gives you a little more time to, you know, look around and see what you want to do with that big open mountain. And it just, it was just more creative. And I feel like more, like, just let me do what I wanted instead of like, and try things, you know, like I could hit a jump and try whatever and not be totally scared of crashing and hurting myself. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the contests, it seemed like, you know, I was just doing the runs that I could do to get through and it wasn't super fulfilling. Like I didn't feel like I was necessarily pushing myself. Yeah. So it was just another way to, to push myself and have fun in a different, different way. And do you feel a responsibility to kind of pay that back? Cause yeah. obviously you've been mentored really by somebody like Travis, like, as you've just described, that's, that's, yeah. that's like a, you know, you've been, well, I mean, not just you, that's just a thing, isn't it? That, that everybody goes through in these. So, but, yeah. but, you know, do you feel, cause you, you know, it looks like from the outside, you kind of are helping younger riders in, in a similar way to try and introduce them to, to the same opportunities that you had maybe. I mean, I think that was the coolest thing for me to see is just to be exposed to that. And, you know, it's not for everybody. I could have been like, nah, that's not me. Like yeah. some people go out there and they're like, that's fucking scary. I'm not into that. <laughs> yeah. But I loved it. So if I can just give somebody an opportunity to see what it's like and if they like it and they like it, like frick, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you just want to, when you love something and you know how amazing it is, you want to share it with other people and hope that they like it. Yeah. And that just creates more, more buddies to go out riding with you know like the more friends i have out in the backcountry the better off i am the more fun i have and so it's just yeah oh like opening that door for other people and hopefully they hopefully they like it and walk through and and then they can do that for other people it's just sharing it's just sharing having fun yeah and the so, knowledge as well because that's an important there's such an yeah. important thing isn't it the actual like well you need it the, hand, like, the handing down of yeah. the of the of the experience and the kind of yeah teaching people the ropes i mean that's just that's just so important isn't it yeah and it's not something you can learn like in a book or watching a youtube video it's no. like you got to go out there and you have to have somebody be like don't do that that'll kill you you know <laughs> like do yeah. this or here's this little technique to help you turn this letter around better or to build a jump better or just there's so many things that you just wouldn't know unless you've done trial and error yeah and like learn from somebody else yeah of. yeah so it's just fun you know it's kind of it's just uh yeah i think it's really connecting and i think that's why maybe our backcountry crews are so close because it's a, it's a sharing of knowledge and looking out for each other because the people you bring out there are your lifelines and they're the ones that are going to get your back if something goes wrong. So it's just, it's tight knit for sure. So is this, I know you talked about how you think this being part of this event is going to change like your approach to sort of snowboarding day to day, but is it, has it catalyzed any other ambitions? Like has it changed the way that you that you think you might want your career to develop at this point? <sighs> I don't know if I've thought that far ahead, but I think I think for me this contest is a good motivator because I do feel, you know, 
like I do feel like the old, <laughs> the old guard. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I either need to kind of step up to keep up with the younger crew that's about to show up. Yeah. Or I need to be like, mm, maybe I don't do contests and I keep filming, but, but like I have to, I have to still be a good snowboarder. Yeah. Like I don't want to just kind of cruise along. Like there's still things that I want to do within filming. And this contest for me is, it's really amazing to be a part of. And I'm like so stoked to be a part of it as much as I can be, but I know eventually I won't be on it. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use this as a, a boost to hopefully motivate myself to do better in other ways and keep pushing myself out of this contest scene. Yeah. Does that, does that mindset cross over into the non-snowboarding part of your life? Uh, I don't know if it does as much. Like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I like to learn and I like to try different things. And maybe it does, maybe it, maybe it is why I try to like, you know, do some real estate or do firefighting and stuff like that. Like I'm still trying to find out what else I, I am passionate about. And, but I haven't found maybe that same, like almost addictive thing like snowboarding was. And I don't, I don't know if it's competitive in the same way as like my snowboarding is competitive. So in what sense do you use that word as in with yourself? Yeah. Like I, with snowboarding, I'm like, I want to be, I want to be at a certain level and I want to like be able to hang with the, the girls that I'm, that I'm riding with and all that. And I'm finding with other parts of my life, I kind of don't care as much. I wonder if you can get two of them in your life. <laughs> yeah, if I what? I wonder if you can get two of those things in your life. I don't know. Because that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because obviously, I mean, well, you know, you're a professional sports person. Like you've been doing this a long time. So yeah, that's quite a common thing that, isn't it? Like people who, um, you know, you who uh, when they when they kind of get into a certain point in their career, a bit like, okay, like what else can I find that's gonna that's gonna have the same thing? So is that something you're actively yeah. thinking about, or is that more a sort of subconscious thing that we're just while we're having this conversation? Uh, I mean, I'm actively thinking about it for sure. Like, I mean, I know that snowboarding can't last forever for me professionally, yeah. and I know I'll always love it personally, but I'm hoping that I can find something as another profession that I'm just as passionate about. Cause I want to be good at it. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's a, it's kind of a tricky thing to, you know, I want to give snowboarding as much energy as I can. Cause it is my passion, but yeah. then it's like, where do you kind of split that up and direct more energy to maybe other things that might end up being a career down the line, you know? It's yeah. a balancing act of like how much time and energy do I put into this thing versus putting it into something else that I might need <laughs> yeah. to, to, you know, survive in the future. Yeah. So. Was that what was behind the kind of fire, fire and real estate 
not sort the, of directions not, then that, that that kind of thought process not the firefighting as much real estate was like uh i mean it's something i can do in the summer that's lucrative and and fun in other ways but uh firefighting was kind of a knee-jerk reaction to is the world gonna end like during right. the pandemic sure right <laughs> so it's like oh wow that's interesting as in you thought what you wanted to do something useful yeah kind of it's like i I think it was like the first couple of weeks of the pandemic where we're all just like at home. Yeah. What the and fuck's I, going on? And I'm like walking around, <laughs> like going to the beach, like looking around, like, okay, like what's happening? Like yeah. we had kind of started hearing about some force majors on the contracts where it's like, it hit me that I'm like, I could literally have no income mm. this next month. I think that hit everyone, didn't it? Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. Mm. And then I we'll remember see. that. I yeah. Remember, I remember that day. I got real, real. <laughs> I remember that day. I remember being like, fucking hell this is actually really bad like yeah. and i might leave, i might actually have no money <laughs> i know and i was just like oh my god and then it was like we didn't really know what was going to happen with real estate because i was like well at least i have real estate and i'm like what if there's a real estate collapse like what if like what if everything just goes to shit right yeah, like, yeah that's yeah. where a lot of our heads were and i just remember walking home from one of the beaches by my house by our volunteer fire station and saying that it was like open for applications and i was just like there's some job security. Wow, really? So it was that off the cuff? Yeah. And I didn't even really think about more than that. I was like, volunteer fire. That could be cool. Learn some good skills. Right. Some job security. You yeah, know? yeah. And then, uh, yeah, got into it a little more and realized I'm all, oh, shit, like this is a little more serious than that. But it was cool and it was a good challenge. Yeah. So how was it? It was it was neat. Like I didn't realize like I applied for a volunteer position. And I think they got like 80 applicants and they, and they narrowed it down to 10. So there was 10 of us that went through academy and, and went to EMT school and all that. And it worked out well because I did fire academy in the fall and then got to snowboard last year and then did EMT this spring. What's EMT, sorry? Uh, emergency medical technician. Okay. So like EMS services, just like basic sure. life support stuff. Yeah. And... It's really cool. Like, I didn't expect it to be as like interesting as it is. It's very got a lot of parallels to snowboarding as far as like all working towards a similar goal, like being in dangerous situations, um, kind of working as a small group, and a lot of a lot of just weird parallels. Like, it's like another little family. So it was. It's a cool. A cool profession to get a peek into right and i think down the line it could be something i'm more into yeah but again it's like hard to be like okay i'm gonna put this much energy into that when i still want to put a lot of energy into snowboarding yeah but yeah that's kind of where that started and so I, I didn't know what i was getting into really <laughs> i started right as in like the kind of commitment and the yeah. how involved it would be yeah so but it's cool it's cool and I'm looking forward to do a little bit more this summer and and it is really rewarding in other ways. Yeah. As far as like snowboarding can be so self-serving and very just selfish. Yeah, well that's what I was going to ask you because there's, there is that thing, isn't there, of like when you dedicate your life to something like snowboarding, there is, mm -hmm. there is a bit like, obviously it's really fun, but you're essentially dedicating your life to like a pursuit of something like quite shallow really yeah. <laughs> like yeah. quite quite frothy let's say yeah um and we, I, you could get deeper and be like no it inspires people to live their dreams or do this but it's like yeah 
but also, you know, it's just like, is anybody going to really care or like really appreciate it at the end of the day? Or is it, it's fun, but I'm also, I find a, a deeper, like maybe connection to my community and a deeper value and like purpose within like our human society that I'm like, Oh, I can like help people yeah. when they're in their like lowest moment. And I'm like, like, that's just crazy to like see people in their most vulnerable, vulnerable state and be like, okay, I'm here to help you. Yeah. Like that's a, it's a trip. I'm still getting used to it. But. Right. So you've, you have actually been out on a few real life situations. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's eye opening. I'm sure. Yeah. It kind of brings you back down to like the human level and nobody cares if you're a professional snowboarder. Nobody, nobody cares <laughs> if you're grabbing Tindy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I just don't want to, you know, die. Yeah. <laughs> so, Can you save my house please? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's cool. And I feel really grateful to, to be a part of that. Has so. that, has that kind of, um, wondering about the silliness of it. Has that been something that you've thought about a lot over the years? Or is yeah. that is that developed as you've kind of got a bit more experience? I I mean I I realize the silliness of it, but that's I think what makes me not take it so serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I have always like really valued the fun of snowboarding. And I think whenever I catch myself being like bummed out or hard on myself or like getting like a little bitter i have to be like dude you're snowboarding yeah like, it's fun it's not that bad and i'm so fortunate to be able to be doing this for a living especially yeah. for the, like 20 years that i've been doing it yeah that i have to be like freaking snap out of it like <laughs> like we all get bombed or get down on ourselves or you know get a little like just bitter about it every once in a while because there's weird things that happen and that can affect you that way but at the end of the day, I'm like, I look around, I'm all, ah, this is great. Like, this is amazing. And I'm so freaking fortunate. And I think even through like firefighting has made me appreciate that so much more. Cause I'm like, we get stuck in this bubble of like, oh, um, you know, I'm a snowboarder and I didn't get to do this today. Or like this contest didn't go my way. And I have to yeah. be like, don't be a little bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is so great. And I'm so grateful to just be here. Yeah. I feel so fortunate. So is the firefighting something that you could see giving you that balance, like of, of the two? Because Possibly. The sort of inward looking snowboarding stuff and then the outward looking, like you said, community yeah. focused stuff. Because you do, you do see it, I think, as people's careers develop. Like it's a, quite a common thing, isn't it? Like thinking about how you can use your platform in a slightly more useful way, you know? Yeah. And I think it's good. I mean, as just I get older... I, I realize a lot of these things, right? You get a little older and wiser and, you know, it's not all about me and my freaking trick or whatever. And I think that's, I feel like that with snowboarding and I feel like that with just general life. It's like, I, I really enjoy seeing the girls like Elena and Robin and Marion and all the girls succeed. And I feel like, it's less about me against them and it's more about like it's always me against me for sure but it's more about like all of us together doing well yeah and showing up for like women snowboarding and yeah. having having a good show for 
all of us. And it's a phrase we've been using a bit. A rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's kind of, again, something that's at the heart of this, isn't it? And you can see that's like how it's at the heart of the way that your community of women that snowboarding together are obviously, it's obviously something that you're all very conscious of and want to protect, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. And I forgot what the beginning of this question was, but I feel like it's just a, it's just a better feeling with with the girls when we all do good. Yeah. And it's like, if I win, but, but I maybe feel, I don't know, just having the connection with them, it makes me feel more rewarded when they do well. Yeah. As opposed to just me selfishly being like caring about myself and winning. I don't know. I lost track of that. <laughs> I lost track of that question. I don't, I think, <laughs> I think you answered it though. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what's the plan? You're going to go ride and rest of the day? Going to head, yeah. head to the closing ceremony tonight? Yeah. I think we're going to go take a couple runs just to get outside and yeah. do a little bit of moving. Maybe go for a hike and then probably pack up. You out tomorrow? Yeah, I think we're going to be out early in the morning, head home, maybe try and grab a pow day at Baker on Tuesday. Oh, nice. Yeah, but go out to the closing ceremonies, have a good time, see everybody for one last time. Yeah. And then, yeah, go home, try and ride some pow and get my stuff ready for bald face. I was going to say, you got I'm like, bald, I got some work to do. You got bald face and AK yeah. coming up, so yeah. Yeah, I'm like, hopefully there's some powder for us to ride before we go up there. I'm like... Yeah. It's looking pretty dry everywhere, but I really right. I've not had a look actually. Yeah. But then yeah. Bald face, just go snowboard more. Don't get coronavirus. Yeah. Good goals. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well thanks for doing it. Yeah, my pleasure. So there you go. That was my conversation with Hana Beeman and I hope you enjoyed it. Bless the Americans. It was so interesting being parachuted into the center of that scene for natural selection. And in the land of the bomb all, there was definitely the occasional bit of confusion about the way I approached this whole podcast in Lark. Um, but I'm so grateful for the welcome we received and how everybody was just so uniformly positive about um, what I've been up to. Um, I'm going to be honest, that was really nice. I think I mentioned in a previous housekeeping corner, I've been feeling pretty flat for a few months before natural selection. I did talk about that at the time. So I've got to be honest, it was absolutely fucking great to spend two weeks being around relentlessly positive Americans who spend an inordinate amount of time bigging each other up and basically being unfailingly positive to each other. I mean, take, for example, on that score, the outpouring of love and support from the scene. Now that Dean Blotto Gray's dropped his new phone book, for example, which I highly recommend you check out. I mean, you know, everyone's just been backing it left, right and centre. In contrast, when I released Looking Sideways Volume 1, I sent around 200 people a copy, many of whom are very close friends and even family, some of whom literally have never even mentioned it to me, let alone share it. If that doesn't say a lot about the difference between Europeans and Americans, I don't know what will, um, but there you go. Anyway, I've spoken before about that gap between the perception of the country you see on TV and the people you meet when you visit that country. Um I remember being in Serbia, for example, years ago, riding in a resort called Kapanik, I think you could say. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. Anyway, it's pretty flat, that place. 
And when we were on a lift, I saw this sort of steep looking run and I asked the lad I was with, um, who was an ex-Olympic downhill skier who'd skied for Yugoslavia at the 1984 Sarajevo Games, I believe, and was also a man who loved life and certainly loved booze because he had me drinking shots at nine o'clock in the morning. Anyway, so I asked this fella, I'm really sorry, I've forgotten his name, if we could go ride this steep-ish looking slope, at which point he gave me the biggest dead arm of my life laughed uproariously and shouted we can't ski there your country bombed it during the war now he was talking about the balkan war in the early to mid 90s by the way in case you're wondering um and yes britain was involved in that um i'm still not sure if he was taking the piss to be honest but the point is you can't really judge a country's people by what you see on the tv um that's what he thought of britain from what he'd seen on the tv I'm willing to bet most people in the UK at that point didn't even realise that we'd been part of the NATO force that had bombed Serbia. So I'm always reminded of that when I travel to countries that have a particular perception. Um, and one of those countries, I believe, is the States. I always expect to find the friendliness and the service culture a little bit over the top, but I always really, really enjoy it. Um, so thanks, everyone. And thanks, Hana, for coming on the show and for being such a great sport. Okay, so we are in housekeeping corner time. Huge thank you to everybody who's been in touch about the last epic HKC, as I believe a lot of people are now referring to it at the end of the Tony Butt episode. Um, incidentally, people are still asking me for merch, which is quite hilarious. Anyway, that happened. If you've not caught up, um, then you should have listened to that housekeeping corner at the end of the Tony Butt episode, because after that, coincidentally as you'll know if you follow me on instagram at we look sideways i learned that the person who heads up gb snowsport has now been made chairperson of gb surfing um that that person is vicky goslin and i'm going to say i was quite surprised to read that uh, as i'm sure you'll um be i'm sure won't surprise you to hear if you listen to that tony Butt episode so i posted it was a shit post i'm going to be honest on instagram um I'm not proud, but I'm not above it. I am human, after all. <laughs> and I'm not above the odd dickish post on Instagram, as I think. Again, if you follow me, you've probably realised. Um, and anyway, I must say I found the reaction to that post completely fascinating. Now, admittedly, I do have strong and very, very subjective views on this. And my post on Instagram led to a lot of messages, including many from people who basically thought I was being really unhelpful and essentially shit stirring. Give it a chance was a common sentiment. She doesn't need to be a surfer to have an impact. She's here to unlock funding was another. To be fair, she's a very capable administrator was yet another, which did make me laugh because that's always the gag about Mussolini, isn't it? Hey, say what you like about Mussolini, but he made the trains run on time. Um, so that's a joke, obviously. Um, all fair put, points I'm sure but I'm not really talking about any of that all I'm suggesting in shitposting the way that I did or ranting the way that I did very subjectively at the end of Tony's episode is that we should at least be debating the implications of having people in such an important role in our culture especially when there's a ready-made case study on hand when it comes to GB snow sports and the fact remains that there are many many people from the British snow scene people who've dedicated their entire lives to nurturing the culture of snowboarding in the UK who have to put it politely reservations about the impact of Gosling's approach my 
reservations um, personal experiences aside I would say really is fueled in part by what seems to be the core philosophy emanating from the Gosling camp which is which I can't you know because people kept sending me this Eurosport article where she was quoted about talking about like talent ID um, it's kind of worth reading a little bit of that I think because it does sort of go to show like what we're kind of talking about here so talent id is a is a i'm going to probably paraphrase and i'm probably gonna get shit for getting this wrong and that tapping you can hear is me looking it up on google right now but i'm going to find it talent id so you know basically britain you know we're not we're not blessed with great mountains we're not blessed with um with incredible winter facilities natural or otherwise let's put it that way but we do insist upon like sending people to olympic games with these medal targets and the way that you kind of do that is you kind of officially create these scenes so one of the ways you do that is by identifying kids when they're early who have the right characteristics by which they might be good at a sport it's why kids end up doing like skeleton or you know like oh he's he might be he might have the physique for that let's let's make him do that so what I, from what I can see, this approach is what is kind of being proposed for snowboarding and surfing. In this Eurosport article, Vicky Gosling says, how do we do talent ID better? We need to find kids who already have the skills to balance the athleticism. We're looking at gymnastics, we're looking at skateboarding, at cycling for endurance and cross country. We're looking at rowing. I'd like to be in a position where you give them a period of 12 to 18 months where they're training together. You don't need to specialise yet, a bit like doing your GCSEs, I guess. Build on skills like agility, athleticism. And then let's see which sport suits you best. Or where do we think your skills suit the best, particularly if you cluster them. So freestyle keyword. Everyone then would be in a really strong place to bring them through. Now, I'm not that down with that approach. I'm going to be honest. Um, and one of the particular reasons I'm not down with that approach is because the talent ID conundrum was also something that was kind of identified in the previous approach that I, the the, Pyong, the the Sochi Pyeongchang cycles and Hamish and Leslie and, and Josie, the people that were behind that actually created this entire thing called Championship Ski and Snowboard, which was about fostering the existing grassroots um, scenes because obviously you can't have snowboarders and skiers that are going to make the Olympics if you don't have a healthy grassroots scene. That's a fairly obvious point. And, and people like Jenny and Billy came from a very healthy grassroots scene um over to and were developed over 20 years so if you the fact remains you do need to find the talent to then put them through the program so how do you do it do you support a grassroots scene and try and bolster that by creating a like it's something that's like cognizant of the culture like championship skiing snowboard or do you try and import the approach that you've used for all mainstream sports and try and graft that onto snowboarding and surfing which it appears is what is being proposed here and do the question i'm just asking is do these very narrow ends i.e unlock funding win medals justify justify these fairly sweeping means i'm not sure that they do personally i might be wrong on that i've definitely been wrong before but i'd at least like to have a chat about it i'd at least like to to kind of kick the tires on it and and sort of 
think do you know do we what do we think about this everybody that's actually involved in this world i completely understand the idea that people like vicky goslin old gbs ceo dave edwards or current skateboard gb ceo james hope gill are necessary to navigate the world of finance uk sport etc that comes with this territory i also understand that the people that run these organizations day to day are passionate advocates of their respective sports and you probably couldn't find people more passionate about these sports and activities in this country all i'm asking is all that aside is it right that our culture should go down this path and essentially be irrevocably changed at the behest of somebody else's to me pretty narrow vision when that person has consistently shown zero interest curiosity or sensitivity around the long-standing culture of action sports especially when that vision that they do frequently espouse appears to be based upon the extremely narrow idea that we need to act this way to unlock funding and medals and on that point and I did talk about this last time the previous approach in the lead up to 2014 and 2018 which to recap did take into account a sensitive a culturally sensitive talent id mechanism did unlock funding and did win medals it yielded three medals um with izzy atkin jenny jones and billy morgan the last time i looked the current approach in the in the games yielded none i'm talking about the winter olympics obviously not the summer olympics like i said I just think at the very least it's worth discussion. The other thing I became aware of after that post is that a lot of people obviously just haven't got a clue what happened with GB Snow Sports. And that, you know, we didn't, none of us talked about it because to be honest, it felt like massively churlish. I mean, at the end of the day, I got fired. So clearly I'm going to be, you know, pissed off about that. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said, I kind of watched a lot of what people that I know have worked on this for 20 years had worked and built upon successfully get torched like within a day. So, you know, we just kind of felt like, well, I certainly felt like, you know, do do we want to talk about this really? Probably not. Probably better wait and see what happens. Um, but, you know, four years later, when you can see what's happened and then there's developments like this, I think it's I think it's worth talking about. Um, and it's worthy of discussion, which was really my only intention when I recorded the last housekeeping corner, this housekeeping corner, and posted my thoughts on Instagram. I mean, I remember at the time thinking, you know, maybe maybe we are wrong. Maybe, maybe this idea that action sports is culturally special and not just another sport is, is outdated and outmoded. And then I remembered I actually wrote an entire feature about this. For the whole, for the for the 2019 White Lines Annual, literally wrote a 4,000 word feature about this very question, inspired by this very conversation. I'd completely forgotten about that. But then I remembered, and the boys at White Line have kindly given me permission to repost that on my newsletter, which I'll do in a couple of weeks. Anyway, that's that. Speaking of the newsletter, I recently had 11 hours on a train traveling from Nuremberg to Normandy the week before last. And I used that time to write an absolutely enormous blog post about the 10 things I've learned from going freelance. I was inspired to write this by a post I put up on Instagram in which I referred to the freelancer's conundrum, um, which is basically where you go freelance to get more freedom, but then the whole spend the whole of that free time worrying about the work that you're not doing. Anyway, that post inspired a really impassioned and fascinating debate on my Insta, um, as is my one. I reposted a lot of that on stories. It was really fascinating. It was the type of thing that really showcases the best of social media and is still pretty much why I persevere with Instagram. 
Um, and it did inspire me to spend those 11 hours on that train from Nuremberg to Normandy writing this absolute whopper of a piece, which I'll be posting on my newsletter this coming Friday, the 11th of March. You can sign up to that via the link in my at my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. All right. That was a long one, eh? Um, and that was another rant, really. But I make no apologies for that. It's the deal, innit? I'll be back next week. Um, thanks for checking this one out. And in the meantime, nice one.